Ahoy there, matey. Welcome aboard the world of boating. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. The radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle. You're going to need a bigger boat. Brought to you by worldofboating.com, your internet portal for the boating enthusiast. I was just looking in to buy a boat of my own. Call World of Boating toll-free now at 1-888-28-BOAT. That's 1-888-828-BOAT. And welcome, this is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick Barry, the boater, and even Bill, the engineer, rounding out the crew today as we navigate the latest boating news and information. So, let's get right into it, because there's been a lot of stuff going on, and uh, we're a little oh, waterlogged. So, uh, we have some stories that we kind of have to navigate through to bring everybody back up to speed. Do we not, Patrick? No. Okay. Well, then, let's just navigate it anyway. So, yeah. what do we got? Well... <sighs> You know, here the the past few weeks, uh, that story broke about, uh, you watch Shark Tank, Greg? Of course. Okay, so you're familiar with uh, Kevin O'Leary? I am. Okay. Uh, Mr. Wonderful is what we like to call him, or what friends call him. Well, if you remember, uh, going back a few weeks now. So um, I call him Mr. Leary, just to be clear. (laughs) Mr. Leary and his wife were involved in a fatal boat accident. What? I did not hear about that. That did not show up on Shark Tank. Well, no, it did not. But mm. this was up in Ontario, okay. uh, where he's got his, uh, I guess, his summer place there. So, statements that have been made uh, by Mr. O'Leary are, are in direct uh, contradiction by police authorities. So, this investigation is, is deepening, um, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, there was talk that the boat that they hit didn't have any navigation lights on. Um, then aspersions were cast that maybe the O'Leary's boat didn't have their navigation lights on. Uh, he said, she said kind of deal. Sounds yeah, like except so the far. other people are dead. Uh, so well, uh, who, what kind of boat are we talking about? What, both boats. They, they, they have uh, a couple boats up on that lake. Okay. Uh, well, you mean they mean the O'Leary's. Mr. Wonderful? Yeah. Okay. So they don't know what boat it was involved in the incident? Surely they do. Yeah, it was actually, it was a larger boat uh, that would carry 13 people. Okay. And uh, they the when the incident occurred, two people on that vessel were killed. Hmm. Wow. So it, it, was, um, it was pretty severe, of course, any time that, that that happens. Well, so was he behind um, the wheel? No, he, he, say, he said, he, this was his statement on Saturday night, this again, going back a few weeks now, mm-hmm. I was a passenger in a boat. He was a passenger in his boat Okay, well, um, that's that his wife was driving. Oh, okay. But I was a passenger in a boat that was involved in a tragic collision with another watercraft that had no navigation lights on and then fled the scene. Hmm. Uh, critics say O'Leary's wording suggesting the other boat fled the scene isn't accurate. Um, both boats did leave the scene to contact emergency services. Uh, ambulance received 911 calls from both parties. Um, and also under scrutiny is O'Leary's claim that the larger boat didn't have navigation lights on. Um, they're not, police aren't commenting on the specifics in regard to equipment because the investigation is ongoing. Sources connected to the larger boat, uh, said that the navigations on the larger boat were on at the time of the crash. Um, again, O'Leary's wife, Linda was driving the boat at the time of the collision. She passed, um, uh, sobriety field check so you know uh she wasn't under the influence it appears right now 
um, regardless of, of who is found to be at fault, that it was a tragic uh, circumstance that, which again is now going to be something that we get into, was certainly avoidable. And as... Well, yeah, they didn't have to hit each other. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, <laughs> it's more than that, Greg. It, it, it comes down to the dangers of navigating at night. Mm-hmm. And as I've done my fair share, and Barry has, um, we're probably the only two people on the show right now that can actually speak to this, but it as soon as the sun goes down, it's a completely different world that you're dealing with out on the water. True. You got to be more vigilant for sure. Well, you have to be more well, vigilant. Well, um, Barry, what? You, 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 you can't really see anything depending. I mean, if you have a full moon, you'll see some reflection on the water, but if it's a dark night, everything is pitch black except for the lights you see. And sometimes, uh, you'll have navigation lights that look like they're moving, but they're not. And sometimes you'll have lights that are not moving uh, and they are the navigation lights, and and it becomes a little flaky sometimes. So yeah, it's definitely different when it's dark out. Yeah, I mean you you see navigation lights if you're even aware of what those lights, what the colors mean, and you're approaching another vessel, and you don't realize how fast you're closing in on that other vessel mm-hmm. because your your depth perception, your 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 recognition of distance is completely shot. So what should you do? Well, slow down. That actually, that's number three on the list, Barry. That's okay. number three. You would think it would be number one, or actually number one. Don't go out at night. I mean, would would be the the way to completely avoid it. And this is when we talk about the Fourth of July fireworks celebrations and things like that, where it's like, nope, not even not even bothering heading out on the water. Just stay in because it's just it's too crazy out there. Mm. Not an option though, because uh, boating at night is awesome. I mean, if you have a boat, you were gonna want to go out at night. Chances are, at some point, whether it's for fireworks or just to go out cruise. Yeah, but you should. You here's here's ten safety tips, which according to Bill's rule of ten, um, there's really only five that are three point. Three, yeah. five, seven, two are. Yeah, if you've got a list of 10, it's because you had a solid four. Ah. You had a solid four and you had a good three and there are three fillers. Okay. Yeah, see, I had to work down to 3.7225. But um, so yeah, number one. Yeah, you got a round of the four. Got right. a round of the four on that. Have all your gear available is actually number one on, on the list. So glow sticks, you know, if you're going to one of those raves out on the water, it's really important that you have those. Uh, flashlights night vision gear is on the list but i don't know too many boaters that are going out with night vision gear except for barry um i don't have that much money (laughs) (laughs) Uh, make sure you're prepared for any scenario um turn down ambient light now that's that's a good one dim everything you can including the chart plotter um if you're running cockpit lights you know turn those off uh, your gauge lights, you know, for nighttime are, are probably red in nature, um, so it, it doesn't cast a glare and kind of ruin your vision. Mm-hmm. Number three, slow down. Number four, if at all possible, post a lookout. Greg, that's where you come in. Well, just 
have someone else that is uh, there uh, being your eyes and ears, you're saying. Back up. Well, your eyes. Well, and you maybe could, your ears. You could listen for stuff, yeah. too. Sure. All uh, right. Don't rely on your chart plotter. Um, now, you guys make fun of me all the time about electronics and keeping paper charts. Oh, we don't need a reason. plotting gear. Yeah, I know. But um says actually rely on a compass instead. Now, this is a problem with newer boats because more and more you're finding new boats don't have compasses installed. Okay. Can, can we go back to the chart plotter for a second? Yes, sir. Okay, so when I'm going into like Port Everglades or, you know, we'll go out in the wintertime uh, around Christmas to go look at the houses and all the lights, I rely on that chart plotter to help keep me in the um, center of the uh, of the canal or, or the, uh, you know, whatever you call it. I can't think of it now, but to try to keep me centered up where I'm, where I'm going. Uh, I don't use the compass as much when I'm close to shore. I would see the compass would be good offshore. According to this list, you should have a chart plotting table on your vessel. You should have somebody constantly updating the chart by taking uh, readings with a sextant and a hand-bearing compass. Um, And if you do that and you're constantly updating your chart, you should be fine, especially if the boat directly behind you decides to do a what? Crazy Ivan. Yeah, and that's really, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm thinking (laughs) of a a scenario on your, on your 12 foot boat where you've got five people repeating commands to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Left rudder, left rudder. Right. 80%. One's on the stopwatch. I think we're, uh, I think it's safe to say we're outside the four quality points of those top 10. Yeah, well, again, it says what it says, Barry, is don't necessarily not don't use a chart plotter, but don't rely solely on a chart plotter. Yeah, that makes sense. You have to use your eyes and your senses too. You'll end up on the rocks otherwise. And and what they're describing is how to avoid stationary objects, which would be there, not this other boat, which is not going to show up on your chart plotter. I don't think. Uh, You're incorrect, sir. And as I said uh, just a little while ago, more and more boats now, boat manufacturers aren't putting those standard compasses in that we've all come to know that are mounted right above the helm because those compasses are now incorporated into the glass cockpit displays or into the Garmin displays. So they've eliminated them from the boats. So you're saying that was a dumb idea on the manufacturer's point. That's exactly the opposite of what I just said. Oh, Okay, well, we'll clarify next on the World of Boating. Stay close. You're listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. As you enjoy another blissful fishing adventure out on the water, it waits, coiled up and ready to strike. Cooler stink. Luckily, there's Blue from Tropical Seas. Blue is the all-natural concentrated deodorizer and cleaner for ice chests and boat lockers. It's a great overall deodorizer and cleaner for your boat as well. Blue helps to remove fish and other sea life odors from plastics, fiberglass, and even works on cleaning rust stains. Just spray on Blue, scrub and rinse with a little water, and you're through. Plus, Blue won't harm the environment or marine life as you wash off your boat and cooler. Blue is the new green and only available from Tropical Seas. Go to tropicalseas.com backslash blue and make cooler stink a thing of the past. 
That's tropicalseas.com backslash blue. Think blue. It's the new green. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. Even Keatley wasn't ready for me or anything that followed. Chased by a police department led by his ex-girlfriend and hunted by brain-fork-wielding Fijian assassins, it's everything he can do to keep from getting locked up, killed, or worse. Kava Screw is available as an ebook for $2.99 at Amazon.com. Kava Screw. Put a brain fork in him. He's done. You have successfully navigated the sea of commerce. And now are clear to cruise with the world of boating. I do like the one. The radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle. The sun, the sea air, good friends. Brought to you by worldofboating.com, your internet portal for the boating enthusiast. Avast there, mates. Years sailing with Long John, Blackbeard, Pink Lake, Patch the scourge of the bounded main, the bloodthirsty as black-hearted as pirate captain ever sailed the seven seas. <laughs> what say we hoist the Jolly Roger, heel over to yonder Spanish galleon, lay a few broadsides again our timbers, and swing over on these ear lanyards with our cutlasses in our teeth, and cut them to ribbons and split the booty? What say ye to that? Yeah. We are easy. Yeah. I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't like it, and I don't want to do it. Tacky, tacky, tacky. And don't look at me that way. <laughs> well, if you don't like it, what do you want? I want to sing and dance. I want to sing and dance. I want to be a pirate in the pirate's of Penzance. Wear me silver buckle slippers and me tight shiny pants. This is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick, Barry, the boater, Billy, engineer. We got a full crew navigating the latest boating news and information. And then there are some things to make you a safer boater at night or special considerations that you should take into effect if you plan to get out on the water at night, which I think a lot of boaters want to do. But they're, uh, you know, it obviously you're taking on much more responsibility for yourself because there's some things that could create problems like we did for uh, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. And we don't want you to be that guy. Right. Now, we need to dial back and address compasses and then what Bill had alluded to as far as not seeing other vessels. Uh, let me take the not seeing other vessels first. Um, as I said, with compasses where more and more manufacturers are deleting those from the boats, now more and more manufacturers are starting to look at offering uh, FLIR systems 
into uh, the options that they offer on their vessels. Which means? Forward-looking infrared radar. Got it. I knew that. I just wanted to make sure all our passengers did. So you would actually be able to see um, those vessels and the way it's wired in through your electronics, um, collision alert, um, you know, avoidance, mm-hmm. uh, what have you. And hopefully, if you're maintaining a watch, you could uh, not well, the, have that. If you have that, though, you're going to have directional uh, compass readings. You may not have a compass per se, but it's going to tell you you're going well, north, east, south, or whatever. Well, right? it's yeah, on your again, digital on, screen, on your glass display, you know, on your Garmin or your Raymarine, whatever unit is that you have. Right. Um, the reason why a lot of them, a lot of manufacturers, have now eliminated those compasses, other than the fact that the compass function is part of the electronics package is where those displays mount, those compasses would normally mount on top of the helm right in that area. Mm-hmm. And due to the electrical interference, you really can't mount them there because your readings are going to be inaccurate. Right. You and then have- when you're cruising through the uh, Bermuda Triangle, they're not going to work anyway. Or Lake Erie. Yeah. Oh, really? There too, huh? Yeah. All right. So, uh, so that, that was... Um, Number, I think we were still on number five. Number six, have a towel ready. A towel? Yeah, so when you hit somebody, you have something to cry into. Um, Hmm. This can be used to drape over any light that can't afford to be blacked out. Ah, okay. And God forbid you spill your beer. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't believe your eyes if they tell you the chart plotter is wrong. Things get deceiving on the water at night. Uh, When looking for lighted landmarks, it's good to be vigilant. Um, sometimes, as we talked about earlier, things may be closer than they appear. Um, this one we've talked about previously on another show, leave those docking lights and the spotlights turned off while you're navigating at speed. They are not going to help you. Not at speed. Not at speed. And they're only going to blind the other guy, right? Well, spotlights usually have a, a, a regular and a high beam, say a low and a high um, your docking lights are used for when you are docking the boat. They are not headlights. They do nothing to help illuminate the water in front of you as you're bouncing across, you know, at 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. Mm. Um, not going to help you at all and can only confuse another boater because, again, a knowledgeable boater at night is looking for red and green and white. Those are the lights they're looking for. And if they see white, they assume you're still, right? You're, you're, well, no. What are they? No, if they, if they see only a white light, mm-hmm. no red, no green, yeah. then they're going to assume that you're at anchor. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I was correct, no. just to be clear. Unless you are, you are directly yeah. behind the vessel, there is a possibility it could be underway if you're directly behind it. If you can't see the bow light, then you don't know. Mm. Oh, you mean if it's blocked? Understood. Yeah, yeah but that yeah. won't be an all-around white light. That should just be the aft part of the stern light. Should be. Well, on. my 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 um my lights. I have I have my red and red and uh, green light up front in the bow, but my rear light, which is also on when I'm moving, is an all-around white light. Hmm. So if hmm. if it's someone not, wasn't back, it's not a split perco no. at the top. No. It is all around white. Interesting. Hmm. Because what really helps is if that if the back half lights up when you're navigating and when you're at anchor, the forward half lights up and your your red and green turn off. 
No, it's all it's all one light. And as far as I've seen in the rules, it's always been when you're at anchor, you have the all around white light on, and then when you're underway, it. I don't. I've never seen anything about being split. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but that's the way I've read it. So you're wrong. Wow. Okay. Barry the boater uh, called out. Well, possibly no, it's it's they're they're. The, I can guarantee you he's online looking it up right as we speak. The, you you are probably right, but could it have something to do with also the length of the boat? It, Maybe it, smaller boats. It may be. Uh, I have seen the tall mast lights on uh, small boats. Again, with that, the top of the mast light split with two bulbs. So a length may come into that. Personally, I think from a navigation standpoint, it should be standard across the board so that, you know, it's one rule. Kind of, I mean, lights are pretty basic. So why not just standardize it? Especially we're just talking about a mast light to where, again, if you see red and green, you know, um, and no white, you know that you're approaching somebody, you're, you're coming at them head on. Um, if you see a white and you're coming up from behind uh, and you start to come up alongside, you know, and there's nothing lit up in the front, you, you know that they're underway. I mean, it's it's know, one half dozen of the other. I just, okay. I guess I just wish they would standardize it, I guess. Not likely. They, have they ever listened to you before? Come on, Absolutely let's be real. Not. Yeah. See. Um, don't get close to boats with their lights on, um, which is, you know, would have helped uh, the O'Leary's in this case. Um, if you see lights, whether it's an all-around white, you see red and green, bear away. Just stay away. Keep your distance. Stay away from the light. Don't go near the light. Don't, Don't go-, go near the light. Yeah, you're not ready to go just yet. You know what I'm saying? On many levels. We got more coming up on the World of Boating. You're listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. This is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick, Baird, a boater, Bill, the engineer. we got a full crew navigating the latest boating news and information. All right, so we've kind of covered this uh, cruising at night issue. Gave uh, you 10 tips or things to consider. We oh, got, we got through, through nine. Do we got one right. more? Is it well, even no, worth? Here, here's probably the most important one all right. uh, if you're going out at night. Be familiar or at least familiarize yourself with the body of water that you're going to be boating upon, mm. um, if at all possible. Because even large lakes can get confusing once the sun goes down. You know, things are lit up that you didn't see during the day. Um, you kind of lose all recognition of, of where you're at, where you're going. Um, you have docks that extend extremely far out into the water that may not be lit. Um, to Barry's point, slow down um but really take the time to familiarize yourself for the waters that you're going to be boating on do it during the day before doing it at night is what you're saying well do it during the listen orientation again you guys make fun of me grab a chart 
Look we, at the we chart. We do not need a chart to make fun of you. Let's be clear. Gra- I, I grab, I grab a paper chart. Look at a chart. Especially mm-hmm. if you know you're heading out of town, you're going up to you know Georgia. You're going to go up to Lake Lanier. You're going up to uh, Lake Kiwi, up in the Carolinas, something like that. Grab a chart. Get get find a local. You know, hey, mm-hmm. I'm heading out to boat. Where, where should I stay away from? You know, I'm going to be out there at night. You have any tips? You know, ask for assistance if if nothing else. I'll tell you what, Greg. This is something which I think applies from the world of diving. Yep. Uh, where uh, we have a little bit of experience. Barry has a little bit of experience. But uh, I've never been anywhere on a night dive that I hadn't already been on a daytime dive. Exactly. Yeah, because it does. It changes your whole whole, uh, perception of what you're seeing. And and if you do it, we always dive the site usually during the day before we dive the site at night because it it looks totally different. Uh, But at least you have a general idea of what to expect. Uh, even though you can't see it outside the, uh, you know, the beam of a light. So that applies to boating for sure. There we go. We got one up on Captain Patrick. I'm going to say two or three at least. More coming up on the World of Boating. You're listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. Basically, there's two ways to turn a boat. There's coming about, which is turning into the wind, and there's jiving, which is turning away from the wind. Now, jiving is something that you never want to do with a rookie on board, so let's give it a shot. Well, wait, 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 wait. Why is jiving bad? It's not bad. It's just fun. Jive, oh! Come on, man. Let's get over there. This is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick Barry, the boater, Billy Engineer. Jive, oh! If I yell that out as the first mate, who's supposed to jibe hope? The engineer, uh, Barry, or you? Captain? Bill is in charge of jibing. Ah, okay. So you were the one who was supposed to yell it out, Bill, not me. Uh, no, I'm in charge of jibing, but I'm not in charge of hose. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'll take on that responsibility. He <laughs> meant ho-hos. Yeah, okay. All right, so as I predicted... Barry has uh, feverishly been working the internet to, to prove his point about whether or not he had to have a, what, a split light on his bow? Well, no. What kind of light? No. <laughs> what kind of light is it? <laughs> he didn't listen, did he? Stern, well, no. It's a stern light. Yeah. Whether it is, for his size boat, an all-around white light while mm-hmm. he's underway, or yeah. if it is strictly the back half of the light is lit up. Okay. And you found out what, Barry? Power-driven vessels underway shall exhibit a masthead light forward, side lights, which is the red and the green, and a stern light. Vessels less than 12 meters in length may exhibit an all-around white light and side lights. Mm-hmm. So Barry is in, uh, you know, he's in regulation. I am in regulation. 7.5. Yeah. No, I just wish they would, again, kind of standardize it across the board and just say this is. So you're not willing to say Barry was right and you were wrong. Well, I wasn't wrong because I said no. He doesn't. He doesn't deal with really small boats, does he? Not too much. So right. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
I got you. Well, we, that's the. But Barry, I Barry had alluded that it probably had something to do with size, and I said, I believe so. Yeah, that's what she said. I so, did yeah. hear Barry say that uh, there needed to be stern lights. Uh, but what if you're just more laid back? You're more like a Type B. Can you have lights that aren't stern? Those are known mm. as the Matthew McConaughey lights. Hey. <laughs> oh! Yeah, right. but you only have to put them on one side of the boat. Because when you're Matthew McConaughey, your lights are all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Anyway. All right, so let's move on to other stuff. All right. If you're boating up in Pittsburgh, the uh, Coast Guard would like may, to know why. Maybe changing oh. the rules. <laughs> if you're looking at uh, boating on the Allegheny, the Ohio, and them uh, Gahala, as we call it in the biz. So a rule was proposed July 1st. That would pertain to certain waters. It would keep persons and vessels from anchoring or drifting more than 100 feet from any riverbank in order to reduce vessel congestion. Boaters would also not be allowed to loiter, anchor, stop, moor, remain, or drift near any boat launch. Um, Listen, love the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. They do an awesome job. Yeah. Um, it, It put their lives at risk. Uh, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. um, truly the the guardians at the doorstep of this country. Stop. Is the Monongahela at the doorstep of this country? No, that's why I'm saying <laughs> stop. Stop what? This is not needed. How are you going to, this is, this is another one of those, it's virtually unenforceable. Just how are you not allowed to loiter? Okay, I I never known boaters to loiter, but okay. Loiter, anchor, stop, more, remain, or drift near any boat launch. Well, what do you think you do near boat launches? You stop, uh, I, I, you anchor, you moor, and you remain and or you drift while you're waiting to load or unload. It happens. Hmm. I think they're trying to restrict people from spending hours there rafting up and partying. Uh, maybe no rafting up and partying. Uh, well, like when clear. I go down to uh, the sandbar at Hallover, there's an area there. You can't get boats across there anyhow because it's so shallow. But maybe that's what they're trying to do is just keep people from clogging up that artery. It may but, be. It's. I think it's just another one of those that – Leave it to local law enforcement that works the water. If they want to choose to enforce, you know, listen, what you guys are doing, it's unsafe. You need to kind of move. You can't be anchored here. They'll move on and get underway. To propose a rule, first of all, nobody's going to follow it. And two, how do you enforce it? And why would you even bother? Just tell... Move on down the way. Just can't can't be stopped here. This is America. I don't got to move. I got a right go. to be that's, right here. Screw you, Mr. That's Law. That's what will happen. That's what will happen is they'll fight over it unless he could show them something. I'm sure the Coast Guard's not going to become uh, just driving around there and constantly shooing people away. I think they're really going to use that for people that push the limit. Possibly. That would make sense, yeah. I, I just... To Greg's point, who's boating up there to begin with anyway? Well, I'm just saying. I didn't say that. I was just thinking you were, that's where you were going. They wanted to know why. Why yeah. are you boating in Pittsburgh? Now, um, 
Speaking of congestion and, mm-hmm. and how we all hate uh, the commutes that we have to do, especially uh, here in Central Florida, and I know we're down where Barry's at. <laughs> Good God, man! The walk um, from my bedroom to the studio is painful. One um, day, Greg will learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this guy up in uh, New York City has found a way to beat the uh, long commute. And uh, it doesn't require a car, a bus, or a subway. David Pike is beating the hectic New York City commute from New Jersey to Brooklyn with a boat, a jet ski. There you go. Okay. Oh, wait. But wait. Uh, Pike spoke to Good Morning America moments before embarking on his route from Jersey City on the way into work. Uh, His company is in Brooklyn, and every day it would take him 90 minutes. Uh, He'd have to take the bus to the subway, the subway to the path, another to the bus. And all the while, he's looking across the harbor like, I just need to go there. How can I do it? Hmm. How would you traverse across waters? I don't know. So he went out and he bought himself a jet ski and it takes him a whopping 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So he went on eBay of all places to buy his jet ski, bought a jet ski. Um, And he just cut straight across the harbor, which I'm sure Really delighted the ferry boats and all the other commercial traffic. No, he's fast. He can zip right by them. That's out there. Well, I'll give him this. At least he bought a bright yellow one. Okay. Um, Now, uh, he really enjoys the time on the water each day. Uh, The harbor is really a hive of activity. There's cruise ships, paddle boards, tourist boats. Smells great after that commute, too. I bet. Uh, So he feels like he's in good company. Um, So the problem is what? Well, in a couple months, I, <laughs> it's going to be cold. And he's like, well, I'm just going to get a wetsuit. No, no, you're not. Why? Why isn't he? Dude, if when it's when it's 20 degrees yeah. and the wind is whipping at 50, 60 miles an hour, you are not hopping on your sea and heading across the harbor <laughs> for a 15 minute ride. You're that that's insane. That's insane. Well, it can be done. I mean, uh, divers do it. They put on dry suits, wears a mask. He, I mean, it can be done. Yeah, it ain't going to be comfortable. That's for sure. But if it's if he's an idiot and wants to do that every day before he goes into into the office, he my snows falling and you're you're heading across the harbor on your well, jet ski once again. He it could yeah. it be done. Yeah, starts where does ice he up. where did where does he dock it. Yeah, that's the question. Was he just throw it up on the beach? And eh, nah, I bought it on eBay. Who cares if someone steals it? What are they going to do? Go off in this crappy weather? Nah. I mean, there's got to be a place that he docks it. He must have to carry clothes with him. He parks the uh, jet ski at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal at a kayak dock. Hmm. So he is taking up the space for a kayak with his jet ski. Okay. Right. Well, if they pay for it, maybe they pay yeah, a monthly fee. I'm sure fee. he has to pay a docking dockage fee, just like he would for a kayak. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of, you know, if it, it's ingenious. No, if, if he, he now, wants to get there quicker, it's one way to do it. If, if you have the facilities to clean up after, if afterwards. He, if he was really on top of things, Greg, he would get one like we saw down at uh, the uh, Fort Lauderdale or Miami boat show years ago. The one that the tracks come out from underneath and you drive it up on land. Mm. Okay. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the boat one cards like they have at Disney. Right. 
Well, we had some guy doing that in the UK, and he was using that to cross one of the waterways, you know, like James Bond, where his car turned into a boat, and he just cruised right off the dock there. Look, just just take the 90-minute commute and enjoy no! being with other people. He's thinking. He's thought this through. He's come up with a cool solution that's just kind of crazy. Let's just hope not, you know, not everybody follows his uh, path, because then if everybody started doing it, we might have an issue. More coming up on The World of Boating. Listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. Be an explorer in the other two thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Amazed. Be a diver. Traffic sucks, unless you're scuba diving with Mike Scott. Mike glanced down at his dive computer. It showed less than 50 PSI left in his tank. Probably just a few more breaths. Or riding shotgun in a thrilling car chase. One bullet hit the Jeep's windshield, spiderwebbing the passenger side. Mike shifted into second gear and felt the Jeep leap forward. This just got serious. Escape your commute with audiobooks from author Eric Douglas. Download to your phone. Go to booksbyeric.com or audible.com. Hosting a radio show about scuba diving and boating is one of the best gigs on the planet. It's actually part of my job to check out and report on cool new products I personally use to enhance my diving and boating adventures. However, I do believe in sharing the joy, and this is why we've added Nanook protective hard cases to our list of products you can now purchase on the merchandise page at scubaradio.com. Nanook cases are designed to protect the most sensitive equipment in the harshest environments. Underwater photographers listen up from their high-impact NK resin to their exclusive power claw latches. Nanook has raised the bar for those of you that demand the best protection for your gear. Plus, Nanook protective cases cost less than similar products currently on the market. The company has been around for over 15 years, but it's new to the U.S., so we've made a small number of Nanook cases available exclusively for you at a special introductory price on the merchandise page at scubaradio.com. Go there now and check out Nanook, the evolution of protection. successfully navigated the sea of commerce and now are clear to cruise with the world of boating i do like the one the radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle the sun the sea air good friends brought to you by worldofboating.com your internet portal for the boating enthusiast who are you uh we're from the uh State mental institution. Uh, we chartered the boat. We're going to go fishing, and uh, that's all there is to it. But I won't cry myself to sleep. My soul no longer weeps. But my body lies in the heart of the sea. This is the world of boating. Gregor first mate, Captain Patrick Barry, the boater, Bill, the engineer. Full crew navigating the latest boating news and information. So uh, that that's a unique way to cut down on a commute using a, a jet ski. I admire the guy's... Uh, moxie. Know. Okay. That wasn't the word I was going for, but I guess it's, it's a moxie kind of approach. 
Uh, but once again, if everybody started doing it, then it'd be a problem. Right now, Kid. it's kind of a novelty to watch this uh, crazy guy on a jet ski cross the Hudson from uh, Kid, Jersey. Kid, you got spunk. Yeah. He's a spunk. Okay, spunk. spunk. He's got spunk. Gumption. A little bit of gumption, moxie, and spunk. I'll combine. I think they call that chutzpah. Yeah. But <laughs> what I think he really need, he's really going to need is uh, deodorant. It's bad enough when the guys are cycling to work and they come in all hot and sweaty and stanky, you know? But, uh, you know, you're covered with uh, well, what's water your excuse? Hudson. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Your commute is actually just through a bathroom. Yes, but that doesn't mean I use it. Truth. Yeah. Oh, he okay. has a whole backyard for that. Anyway, uh, no, right. that's a unique uh, use of your water uh, watercraft to uh, to cut down on your commute to go to so, work. Now people do it every day. I, well, I just I just think it's it, to do it on a jet ski is a little flashy. No, insane. No, for that I, body of water I, and the weather that he's I think just encounter. you know the thing is when you're crossing the Hudson. Have you ever looked at the Hudson? It is not the kind of body of water you'd want to get on you. Is my, my well, I think that's the point. Uh, well, if you were just crossing a waterway like in the Caribbean, where the water's nice, clear, and blue, or whatever, I wasn't. Ta- I was talking about him doing it in the winter. Well, I, I'm, I'm not I, that's talking okay. about the Caribbean. Well, regardless, cold is one thing. I told you you could wear a dry suit as a diver, and, and the weather wouldn't really be an issue. But the that doesn't change the the contents of what's in the water. And if you've looked inside, look at the Hudson just off the side of a boat. It is not the cleanest body of water that we have. All right, here so in would the he state. would he be fully dressed and then put the dry suit on over say his work clothes? He could. Or he, okay. Did you not watch? Uh, what, what was James the? Bond. Yeah, that's well, how James Bond, Bond always gets off a jet ski. Exactly. Okay, now, since we're talking about reality and not movies, um, is this something you would do, or would you bring your change of clothes in a waterproof bag and change once you got onto land? It's up to you. Uh, what would you, Greg Holt? I do? would never do it. But if you yeah. did, if I did, I would probably. You're James Bond. What would you do? I think it would depend on what my schedule was. Right. I, At time. I, if, I, if it was going to be tight on time, I might say, all right, when I get this on, I'm going to have this, the pants on. I would definitely try it with the plan of changing first. Mm-hmm. And if I got comfortable with it, I might do that. The problem is, of course, that's the day you, you dump the jet ski. Okay. So because it's a wake from an oil tanker. Right. Now I just I just want you to, I just want you to follow my line of thinking here because he's oh, talking bro. about a ninety minute commute. You're asking so a lot where, wherever he lives, he's got to get from where he lives to the waterway to his jet ski. Now, assuming that he's already changed into his dry suit at his house, which would be stupid, but say he did that and he takes an Uber to where his jet ski is, and he's got a bag, a, a, a waterproof bag that's got his change of clothes. So the time that he spent prepping getting into his dry suit and then packing his clothes and then getting to his jet ski, then firing it up, assuming, of course, it starts, then he makes his way across, he ties up, he docks, then he's got to get off, then he's got to get himself out of his, his dry suit and into his clothes and then eventually make his way to work. His gain in time... Honestly, probably isn't all that much. Wrong. Oh, but I, I don't think that it's just that. I think that if you are a jet ski guy, jet skiing is much easier for you emotionally and personally. You just feel better out on the water than you do stuck in traffic crossing the George Washington Bridge. 
But that's when you have time to commune with everybody else that's in the same situation. What is wrong with him today? New York City is the friendliest city on the face of the earth. Everybody talks to everybody there. But it usually includes, uh, you know, uh, hand signals. (laughs) Those are just the Italians. (laughs) You're number one. I I don't think that's what they're trying to get across to each other when they're on that commute. It's not a namaste kind of uh, commute from Jersey into the city there, Patrick. I'm just saying. And, and, you know, uh, taking a jet ski uh, will be a hell of a lot more fun. I'm just, I'm not talking about the fun factor. I'm talking about the prep time pre. Now, Mm. this is because Patrick thinks in terms of one thing. He, he he doesn't look at a holistic approach to life, man. Uh, you yeah. gotta look at it all. You gotta holistic. sit back, man. You gotta soak it all in, right. man. I'm with, this I'm gives with you him. a chance, man, to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I only save fifteen minutes, man. Maybe that's all I save, but you know what? After Those a year, I can I got time to I don't know. It's I added best, like three days to my life. It's the best damn 15 minutes of my life, man, right there. There you go. And I get off of that jet ski, and I'm standing on that dock, and all I can think is, all right, all right. Here's the problem. You're in the wrong place because he's in Jersey. He's not going to be talking like he's in California, which is what you're doing right now, Bill. So you got a little bit. That may be where he's from, man, though. (laughs) At least West Texas. (laughs) <laughs> All right, if you say so. All right, well, I'm going right. to drive a self drive. I admire this uh, guy's done. gumption, spunk, and what was it, Moxie? So we'll just leave it at that for this week. Till next time, remember whether it is sail or motor, life, life is, is better. better as as a motor. motor, man. All right, all right, all right. Safe boating, everyone. World of Boating is brought to you by worldofboating.com, your internet portal for the boating enthusiast. Any of this getting through to you, son? World of Boating is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. Computer standing by. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at (gasps) worldofboating.com. Computers can do that? So tell a friend and come aboard every week for the World of Boating. This is so great. I can't wait. I'm getting goosebumps. Feel me. Feel me. The radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. The opinions you just heard on the World of Boating are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. What are you being such a weenie for? While on the water, your safety and the safety of many others depends on you. So boat smart and operate your vessel only after receiving the proper training and instruction for your area. There is a fine line between genius and madness. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at worldofboating.com.